We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. Be aggressive. You have literally nothing to lose. You're a borderline football team. If I don't keep laughing about this stuff, my teeth are going to turn around and devour my brain. The Bills make me want the only thing I can think of, Bill, and, and it's very logical, so it's boring for me and you, because we love pettiness and drama. That's yes. what you and I love doing. Yes. But if Mitchell Trubisky and his agent looked at the development of Josh Allen under Brian Daybowl, this is a great situation for him. If he's going to get that coaching and that tutelage and be able to progress as a quarterback going forward, because look, even though we know Mitchell Trubisky didn't play well, we also know Mitchell Trubisky was in a terrible situation like Sam Darnold has been in, in in New York as well. So I think this move is smart from his perspective. Absolutely wasn't going to find a start spot similar to Marcus Mariota when he left Tennessee and had a good performance for Las Vegas. But as far as the thought process, I really like it, L. And I know I'm being logical and I know I'm supposed to not like a lot of things, but I really do like this from the perspective of Mitchell Trubisky developing under Brian Daybowl with some of those similarities to Josh Allen from an athleticism and an arm strength standpoint. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Bell Report Podcast. I am your host, Bill's season ticket holder, Drew here. That's my producer, Chris Krueger. And that was Marcus Spears from ESPN talking about the Bills' recent edition of quarterback Mitch Trubisky. Of all the unlikely things, of all the unlikely things to happen in Buffalo Bills free agency 2021. And Chris, I saw a lot of this online after the signing, like news of the signing broke, all these people literally tripping over themselves to be like, I said it, I tweeted about it, I talked about it. There is no one on earth who would have bet anything meaningful other than bullshit social media clout. And Seagram's. To, to, to stake their reputation on the fact that the Bills would or should sign Mitch Trubisky. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I mean, it's a great contract, two, two and a half. Well, I, oh, oh, how the mighty have fallen. The <laughs> second overall pick. We have a packed show for you tonight. Mr. Nate Geary is going to be in studio with us talking about the... Taking a relaxed look 
Now that we've had some time to digest and some time to think about things, a relaxed look at the aftermath of 2021's opening free agency period. But first, in the theme of things that are highly unlikely, whoever thought that they'd hear me come on this podcast and eat some crow? Doesn't happen very often, does it? It happens a lot, (laughs) I think. (laughs) I think it happens a lot less than it probably should. Is yeah. that a fair statement? That is definitely a fair statement. <laughs> you should be eating crow on here weekly. <laughs> For the last few weeks, our listeners have tuned in and heard me chortle. I mean, that, that's putting it mildly. Over a string of physical misfortunes that Chris has kind of <laughs> and it's sustained over here. Yeah, my ankle and now my mouth. So, first of all, what was the outcome of that? Uh, I have to go see an oral surgeon. Yeah. What happens to you? What do you do to yourself? Well, I had a wisdom tooth that's uh, grown in sideways. Oh, so God. it's it's growing in and it's pushing on the molar in front of it. God. So it's too close to the nerves for the dentist to do anything. So they're sending me to an oral surgeon, which I have to call and make a consult appointment and then figure out a day to do oral surgery. I don't know if you've noticed by the state of my teeth, but... Uh the dentists and oral surgeons, uh, they're not exactly my friends, right? No. <laughs> they're not exactly the people I associate with on a regular basis. Oral surgeons. Oral surgeons can get Dentists, bent. orthodontists. The, the funniest part, this was all started by a tweet by Mina Kimes this week. Over the weekend, she tweeted out, you know, what is your dumbest injury? The dumbest injury you've ever sustained. Chris, is it fair to say that the chasing the dog almost like ruining of your ankle might qualify yeah that's probably given the circumstance usually any injury that i've come across my shoulder injury that i had hockey others i've taken a puck to the ankle uh got tied up with somebody in the boards yeah they're all sports related not chasing a dog that you don't even like they're not related to stupidity no okay i want you to take a good look yeah, I saw it. I don't want to look. Yeah, I don't want to look at it. Put this up on the table for you. Take a good long look at that. Yeah, I saw it on the floor earlier. I'm not looking at it, <laughs> folks. It's odd timing because I feel like I have to come on here. I have to air some of my own. My own stupidest injury actually just occurred this weekend. Let me set the scene for you. We're getting together for dinner with a couple friends who we haven't seen since really the onset of the pandemic. Everyone's starting to get vaccinated. People are getting a little more comfortable with associating with people who they know are being smart. And pretty much all the way around, you're you're, you're trying to reassociate with people. Now, if you live in Buffalo or you're anywhere near Buffalo, you know that this weekend was probably the, Chris, best weather we've had here in months. Yeah, probably since the end of the summer. Okay. So... My friend who we were all congregating in his house lives approximately 0.6 miles from my home. And yet, even with that, I haven't seen them in months. So, you drive over there. Me and my wife drove separately because she had my son, and she knew she'd be leaving a little bit earlier than me. So, me and the guys, we hung around a little bit late playing cards and just shooting the shit, watching the NCAA tournament. And I'm drinking, and I'm drinking, and I'm looking at the clock, and I'm going, you know, I could stop right now and drive home in about an hour. Or, it's a gorgeous night out. I've got a, I've got a, a little, uh, little cigar. <laughs> I got, I got a nice uh, Monte Cristo in my truck. I've got my earbuds. I can take a nice walk, you know, 0.6 mile walk home. Gorgeous weather. Have a couple more beers. Hang out. Have a good time. So that's what I did. It was a wonderful night. 
I had a blast. And I walked home. And I got home probably around midnight. And I walk through the door and my wife, she's up and she looks at me and goes, where's your, where's your truck? And I tell her about how I, you know, I walked home and she starts laughing at me going, oh, okay, drunkie. Oh, you got so, you see your friends for the first time forever, you get so hammered, you can't drive home. And I was like, no, 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 I could, which starts a debate, Chris, over the fact that I could have, I could have driven. I made a conscious decision not to. There's a difference, correct? Yeah. Okay. Now, Sidebar, I had spent 15 minutes earlier that day explaining to my wife that when anybody falls, it's funny. If you fall down in front of me, I will laugh. I don't care who you are. You could be my boss. You could be a relative. If I see you go down, even if I'm coming to help you, know that I will be laughing while I do it. And if that hurts your feelings, so be it. My wife thinks that that's sociopathic behavior. So fast forward. A to, lot of your behavior is sociopathic behavior. So fast forward to midnight. I'm now having this debate with my wife about the fact that I'm not just some drunk who had no choice but to walk home because he lost control of himself. I'm fully in control of the situation. And I proceed to try to give her essentially the, the equivalent of, uh, of a field sobriety test on myself to be like, look, look at what a capable adult man I am fully in my element I'm completely with it. And in the process of doing so, slipped and fell down the stairs. Which, well, you have, (laughs) hold on, you have a split level. So you walk down from upstairs to the front door and then from the front door to the downstairs. Which part? I fell from my living room to the front door, got my leg tangled up in the banister and broke my pinky toe and the toe next to it. As Chris can vouch, they are horribly disfigured today. Yeah, that. God, I didn't even break my ankle. I just sprained it. <laughs> and my wife looks. And my wife, to her credit, she. I feel like I made a point though, Chris, in all of this. The silver lining, if there is one, is that my wife had to bite the back of her hand to keep herself from laughing. And waking up our child. <laughs> and I'm laying at the bottom of the stairs. And it was like, I was looking up and going, see? See? It's funny, isn't it? <laughs> For our listeners out there, you guys have stupid injury stories. I want to hear about them. Because now that I've just experienced my own, I feel like I want to I, 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 I hear from you guys. Tweet at us at Rock Power Report. Let us know what's the dumbest way you've ever been. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Been injured. I am a big dumb animal, folks, but without further ado, let's get into some relaxed Bill's free agency recap conversation with our guest tonight, Mr. Nathan P. Geary. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm well. Relaxed. Hmm? Is the P. Philip? Is it a Paul? Is it Percival? That would be way cooler. <laughs> Percy, like Percy Harvin. Patrick. Patrick. Yeah, All, right. All right. Irish. All right. That's fair. You know what? That's fair. I forget that you're. I forget that you're Irish. I was just on the Irish NFL podcast, which was pretty cool. Really? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. For those of you who live under a rock, Nate Gary, WGR five fifty. He's actually wearing his Cover One T shirt as we speak. You can't see me, but I am. Or can they? That's the real question. Hopefully not. Because <laughs> yeah, he trimmed his mustache down, folks, and I got to say, I'm a little disappointed. Girlfriend, you know, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, you know how it is, the lady at home. So he used to look like a re- reject '70s baseball player, and now he just looks like you look like you play second base for North Collins. You, what you? <laughs> he's is it kid, the Mizuno hat? He's that kid yeah. with the dirt stash. It is. No, what a, he, he looks like like the guy who just kind of resigned himself to being like a high school gym like gym teacher. That, Wears belts with sweatpants, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I'm not wearing a belt with my sweatpants. But I <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I, I know where you, I know what road you were going down, and that was exactly where you were going to lead to. So, see, folks, I feel like over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of hot takery. There's been too much yelling. People on social media, you know. I, so you come to me. So what you've done is you have come to the podcast where people normally yell to just relax, yeah. have a couple adult beverages, and talk a little bit of free agency recap. Now, in our last podcast, we talked about just all the incredible work that our GM did in retaining three players who I, I for one, never thought I'd seen a Bills uniform again. Nate, your take on Bean managing to find ways to fit Williams, Mongo, and Milano in before any of them even got to test the market. Yeah, I think it probably speaks a lot to where... <clears throat> The franchise is right now where they were and kind of but, but where they are and where they're trending towards, which is, I think, maybe the storyline doesn't get talked about enough, like what it means for them moving forward that free agents are doing what they did with the Patriots when Tom Brady was in New England. Right. Guys that are coming in, a, man, a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, who, you know, is making six million this year. And, and <clears throat> I don't know if that's his full cap hit. I don't know if it's a little mm-hmm. less than I, I haven't seen those official numbers yet, but you look at, listen, and, and at the end of the day, is Nelson Aguilar or um, Kendrick Bourne right now, you know, in the next two years better than Emmanuel Sanders? Maybe, but for one year, for what the Bills are looking for in this offense, the kind of player they need, it's such, it's not a luxury move. That That's the kind of move that you need to make, um, that you get a veteran who's been around, who's been to Super Bowls, who's had success, who's been can, widely considered, you know, a top 20 player, top 15 player at his position um, in, in years past when he was more in his prime. And I get he's 34 years old and, and $6 million in hindsight, but I mean, 60 receptions last year, or 50, whatever it was. And he looked, you know, when Michael Thomas wasn't in, he was the best receiver on the field. He was kind of running from the outside. Um, and, and I think for me, the, the big thing that I'll go back to about being able to keep those three and still going to get a guy like Sanders is, I, I guess, the 
what was more impressive to me is a guy on the open market had the same mindset as guys that had been in this building that knew what the culture was like, that wanted to stay here. But you look at a guy like Milano, who maybe still there are people that are like, maybe they overpaid a little bit, or maybe that's just a high number. But let's face it. I mean, he was going to go on the open market and make, I think, I don't know if I, I don't know about notably more, but what did Adoree Jackson just make? I mean, yeah. he made three and 39. So you can't tell me that some team wasn't get, on the first day. Tell me that the New England Patriots weren't, he wasn't going to be the very first guy they, they picked up off the market. Yeah. He no, would have been prioritized sure. simply from the division perspective. But I mean, that would have been a position indeed. They're not going out and getting Kyle Van Noy if they've got Matt Milano. And, and I think they would have paid top dollar market and way more than the bills were likely. The thing was, he didn't even let it get to that point. The same with Mongo. That's the one that I think for me, I just wasn't, I was maybe prepared to see the $3.4 million cap hit that he's going to have. I mean, it's mm-hmm. less than it was last year. Yeah. Um, you, if you would have told me that was a, an opportunity or if that wasn't even in, in the cards, I would have said, Hey, like, awesome. I just would have thought you were crazy. And and (laughs) the same with Darrell Williams, getting him on, I think, a a notably low contract when he's 28 years old, tackles in this league are hard to come uh, come by. He was the de facto number one tackle left on the board. And the other thing I'll tell you this is... You know, obviously in years past, we've talked about what, you know, we just saw what Trent Williams got on the left side. The right tackle position has become more and more important in today's NFL. We talk about that every year for the salary cap primer. I track the inflation ever since 2017 Mm -hmm. of the tackle pay. Tackle pay is the only one that's doubled. But it's because all of a sudden right tackles, right tackles have become getting paid. just as important as like, left tackle. And you look at in, in, in San Francisco, Michael McGlinchey, obviously a big fan. He's a Notre Dame guy. And uh, him and Quentin Nelson, they played together on the left side. He moves to the right side. And you can make the argument he could have been a good to okay left tackle. He's a great right tackle. And he's going to end up likely getting paid more money over the course of his career by switching to the right side than he would have on the left side as a, you know, okay player. So it just it, it, it says a lot that you end up getting a guy who knows this organization. I think I think them believing in him, giving him an opportunity to play the position that he played really well and had the best season of his career. I think showing him that. That, that trust and that they wanted him um, likely, you know, I mean, what, here's the thing too, guys, and this is another thing we have to remember. You know, we're talking about the difference of a couple million dollars and it's really hard for me as a person that has never seen that type of money in my entire life to speculate on why someone chooses to take less money when there's an opportunity to at least know, like in, in Matt Milano and I think Daryl Williams case, and I think probably John Felicia, all three cases, you do wonder at the end of the day how much more money you could have made. But I think for their own sake, for the sake of the team, they didn't get to that point. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I, I always do wonder. I don't want to I don't question anyone's motives. I just think about like myself. It would be really hard to leave without at least two, seeing it, without two, at least hearing the number. three million a year, especially in an organization like, hey, maybe the Chiefs come calling John Feliciano well, and maybe maybe you have an opportunity to not only upgrade your contract and your and, and, and the amount of money you're paying, but well, maybe Chris you get to go hand- play in that off. Chris was hand wringing because he was talking about how the kiss of death. You know, Matt, uh, Matt Milano had been given the kiss of death by this GM when he said he's earned the, the right, right to test the market. He gave him the Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson and, treatment. But here's the thing. They made offers to both of those players. When That's it came right. down to it, Bean came back to both Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson and said, here's my number. I speculated that I, that that very scenario, that, I, that, that essentially... 
the he had the Bills had presented their yep. no budge number. Here's our number. Exactly. Go see weeks ago. And I think he sat on it. He sat on it. He sat on it. And the closer and closer to free agency he got, I thought I think he just realized like. You know, this is who I want to be. This is a good offer. I mean, mm-hmm. going from the the league minimum as a fifth-round pick coming in at whatever that is, I mean, $300,000 a year mm-hmm. or whatever, um, you know, for him to, to cash in at, at what he did, I think he thinks it's fair. I think it is a fair market. I mean, he didn't – they didn't set the market at a position they no. easily could have. And that's, I guess, the the, the – the point of all this is that each one of these players had an opportunity. Maybe not Mongo so much, but definitely Daryl Williams and probably Matt Milano could have been the top in the top three at their position 100%. in the NFL after this week. And they opted not to even try. Yeah. They'd been told they could. Being showed, being opened the door and said, hey guys, right. if I understand if you want to go see if the grass is really greener, go take a look. You've earned it. And instead you know, right? they closed the door and said, no, it's okay. No, it's okay. We're cool. Right. So now, looking off of that, after seeing the fact that we took arguably the best off-ball linebacker outside of Levante David off the board, um, the fact that we locked down the best right tackle option, and we added a guard to a team-friendly contract that's way more affordable than what some of the comps, comparable players that fans wanted. The Kevin Zeitlers of and the world. And he's at a number that you feel like you can go draft a guy at 30. Yes. And yeah. that's what I was going to say. Is it sets you up well for the draft because you're not overpaying this guy yeah. enough that you feel compelled to keep him or make him a starter right. for that money. So given that, given, given what you saw there, what were your personal expectations after that spending spree? Um... I think my expectations were actually a little bit more than what it's been. Okay. Um, without to say that it hasn't been, I think, successful. I, I'm not going to say, like, they've been wildly successful. I would have liked to see them because I know – but, again, here's another thing on the opposite end. I don't know what kind of financial situation that – you know, the the team's running on and they may be running on, hey, we know the salary cap's going up in two years, but also we're not trying to spend that kind of money this year. And the Pagulas could very well have said that to him. I am that not a, reporting or speculating. I'm just saying no, no. we don't know what I, those kind of restrictions are. I read were. three different articles, one by Pro Football Talk, one by Forbes. And one by the Wall Street Journal talking about this dynamic, how there are NFL football teams this year. Specifically, those who were most hurt by the lack of yeah. fans in the stadium, given how much revenue that I mean, it's still revenue, yeah, right? right? It still generates money for the team. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Whenever you're at a loss, you start finding ways to immediately get that loss. You're a, there, you're a financial guy, teams, you know. Oh, yeah. There are teams that so, so these three different outlets all went on to articulate in various ways. And I mean, I can go and retweet all of these articles out if you guys want to go check them out over at Rockpile Report on Twitter. Talking about how there are teams that they have confirmed that there are teams, they weren't going to name names, that have decided to operate this season on something of an internal cap. Sure. Or an internal salary cap. Now, luckily for the Bills, I mean, we were so, so close. So something like uh, when Tom Golisano owned the Sabres. Right. Yes. The type of scenario where you're a team that's not going to spend. And for a lot of these teams, it makes sense. Yeah, right. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Are you, are you winning a title this and year? And not only that, but no. look, you know who it, I think the best example of this is, above and beyond any other example, is the Indianapolis Colts. 
They go into this offseason with the second most available cap space. And I think it was Mike Tanier. What was his tweet? It was, um, they're hiding. It was in, in regards to something about hiding something. He's like, they're hiding it right where the, uh, the Indianapolis Colts are, are hiding their extra cap space because they just don't want to use it. And yeah. this was a team... You know, and they go on to get Carson Wentz. I think it's a move. I don't know. I I, I don't have an, a, a you know a one way or another what that move well, means. We're going to talk but, about that in a little bit. But I guess my point is that's a team right there who had plenty of room to get significantly better. They lose one of their starting linebackers. He uh, Anthony Walker. He ends up going over to the Cleveland Browns. He'll end up being a starting linebacker over there. And you start to wonder like what are the Colts doing? Because the Colts were a team that were oh, in for sure that were right there. Who if they beat the Bills, they're a couple of plays away from beating the Bills. If they beat the Bills. Who knows how yeah, far couple, that team can couple, go in the playoffs? Yeah, a couple plays that shouldn't have happened yeah. because the referee should have done their fucking job. Wow. See, you're going to get me fired started. up? No, this I'm is trying. Is, relax. Hey, relax. 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 Drew. Goosefraba. Goosefraba. Okay. So after, so we look at Therapist. those contracts. So we look at the contracts that they signed. And it seems like from that point, Bean is kind of taking a more nuanced, which is a nice term I'm going to use in lieu of uh, cheapskate, Approach to attacking the market in our roster, which I think most people should have expected. I mean, to your point, maybe it was a little bit cheaper than you had hoped, maybe or cheaper than you thought they would go, given some of the needs. It's hard to say cheap, though. I know, but that's where I think a lot of fans fell. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for people not to be a victim of the moment. I... And get kind of antsy when it comes to hand-wringing over the fact that people everywhere else in the division and conference start shelling out wads of cash and sure. you go, Oh! Oh my God! What are the Patriots buying? It's like it's like if you were to have bought a boat last year mm. and your neighbor pulls up in one that's twi- that looks bigger and shinier. Keep up with the you, Joneses. Exactly. That kind of keeping up with the Joneses mentality... <laughs> But like we talked about in last week's AFC's Roundup podcast, we are the Joneses. We that's right. are the Joneses. That it's a different are... <laughs> mindset to have, man. So I, that's why I always think it's important to take a deep breath, let some time pass, and then come back and look at what you think your team accomplished in free agency. I think if you asked people in the know around the league, if you asked and I guess as an example of a person I'm thinking of is like a Lewis Riddick, right? A guy that I think's plugged in, that knows football. He would tell you that the Bills were the team that won the free agency period. Like those, are, and, and what they would say is compare Kansas City and compare Buffalo. Kansas City, there you cannot argue, has taken a notable step back. Well, again, now I, the Bills, I, I don't get the Bills may this not have something. gotten notably better, but they 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 have been able to basically hold water. Oh, one hundred percent. I think Hold the buoyancy that, above the rim. You well, know what I mean? And that's, I guess, what I want to talk about. First of all, let's break it down positionally. Let's start with the special teams. Our special teams is going to look a little different R.I.P. in baby. 2021. <laughs> so, first of all, they Do go you want to take a moment of silence for Bogo? Maybe, maybe a cheers? Maybe to Bogo. Yeah. To, to raise a glass. Let's raise a glass to Bogo. Matt Hack. It's Hack. You're never going to convince that's me. That's for you, Bojo. In restructuring Matikiewicz and Andre Smith and re-signing Taiwan Jones, who I'm still pissed. I'm still pissed about the fact that he cost Josh Allen that record for the most uh, oh, players to catch a touchdown yeah, pass in the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, he, he owes us and Allen one. But they True. did get back two of their core special teamers. Those guys right there, the three of them, played over 60% of the special team snaps. I think that's important. 
Okay, and they were a good special teams unit too. They're a sure. good special teams unit, and you return some of the bigger names who contributed to that. Outside of that, things are going to be different with Mad Hack doing Hawk. the punting. Hawk. Hack, Hawk. Hack in Bojo's absence. Now he didn't have the leg Bojo has, but who does? Or the short shorts, <laughs> or the, or the mustache, or the I'm denim, sure. which is or where the I think denim. I think the mustache is where you and he really connect. That's right, it? The, and the denim and plaid usage. I'd say. <laughs> Didn't he make a Christmas card once with Reed? Uh, it was like a stepbrothers themed Christmas card. Maybe I know. I know there's a there's a picture. I feel like I remember there, getting there's a picture that exists of Bojo and Reed adds uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley from Step Brothers. It exists somewhere, it, it's, probably it's on in Instagram. The, it's in the interwebs. Yeah. It's in the annals of the interweb. If you look at the job they did punting, I mean, people of Greg Thompson, your boy. My man. Tried talking me off the ledge when it was happening. This is what people don't understand. People in the podcasting community who we get to rub elbows with, and people are like, oh, that's so cool. You could talk to Greg Thompson. Yeah, it's cool for me. It's not cool for Greg Thompson because no. at 9 o'clock no. at night, I'm half in the bag angrily tweeting, like DMing this him. Is, this is on a Tuesday, mind you. This is on a Just, Tuesday night. Right. Angrily DMing him about the release of Bohorquez. And he's like, listen, I was president of the Bohorquez fan club. Your outrage is completely unnecessary. It's, it's I would argue it was close to justified. I, I tweeted in anger and then I left the website for the night. I... <laughs> You know, and I, I throw on my favorite Goo Goo Dolls song, and I... What song? Uh, name. Oh, you sap. Yeah, well, that, I, that, it, he deserved it. That, that's the song that I was feeling. <laughs> so here's what I think is the most important part of this hack edition. He was the holder for Jason Sanders, who... Jason Sanders just had himself a phenomenal season for Miami. Meanwhile, we get to watch Mr. Nice Guy, Reed Ferguson. So this is why you guys brought me on. Over, it, so it, it turns out that the whole point of this podcast was to talk about the, the new punter and his ability to hold. And you brought in the expert. You brought the expert in Western New York. The, the guy during this. I, I know I, I, I got some ins with Joe Licata. Uh, Joe Licata's got a nice uh, quarterback camp going locally. I'd like to consider what, what may be a local... Holding a field goal holding camp, folks. You uh, may not know it, but Nate Geary, career holder. That's yeah. That's what you were telling had, us uh, before the show yeah, began. Yeah. One of my best coaches I've ever had. Uh, he said the realest thing to me in high school. He said to me, Nate. He's like, I'm I'm gonna make you holder because this might get you on the field someday in your in in your future in college. And I said, Coach, this. I feel like that's a little hurtful, but also <laughs> thank you for this life gift. Uh, and here I am. It's kind of like um, it's like learning how to do your. It's like knowing how to do taxes. You know, uh, everyone has to do them. Like everyone's got to kick field goals, and eventually one of your friends is going to come to you and give you seventy five bucks out of the blue instead of paying some random guy in a in a weird smelling you know hospital like place and you're going to have to do your taxes you know you do taxes right you, you aren't you the guy i bet no, you're the guy no I'm you're not the guy well i i run do you do our, your own taxes i run our sales tent no it's what i get. my father-in-law is the uh, so he, wait wait he's a financial guy and he doesn't even do the the, the fi- my father-in-law is a certified financial professional oh okay cpa yeah cf yeah he does he does a CFA. lot of he does a lot of CFP. taxes cfp but so, anyways it's the same way that uh reed is Snapping because in like eighth grade he was too small to be end or a tackle, and his team's his middle school team's hey we need a snapper. 
Okay, I'll learn sure, that. Sure, I'll do my, that. And now look at one it. of He's... my childhood friends went to St. Francis High School. He was his uh, the the son of a coach. He was okay, not a great player. He was my size though. He's not anybody played mm-hmm. linebacker. And when you're my size, you either no, yeah, you have an innate gift. Or you get run over when you're there. I'm not gonna you, lie. I feel like, and this isn't a slight to you. I know you're, you know. Do you think you would you, run me over? You, you, you golf, so I mean, you're. I do. Sort of. I am in an shape. Athlete. I'm in you're, shape. You're yeah. sort of in shape. I think you would have a hard time tackling Chris with a full mm. head of steam. You don't have a prayer when it comes to tackling me, even but, with my ankle how it is right now. See, guys, I <laughs> I just want to I just want to let you know that you are the same type of people. In high school, that looked at me and they thought the same thing, and boy, they were wrong because I'm a nasty little fucker. <laughs> I t- am. You, I, you showed everybody with I'm, your. You know, you know why? Because you're Irish. We talked about this. And, and you know what ends up happening is I get lower than you do, and I toss you over the top. And while you're catching your breath because I knocked the wind out of you, I stand over you. And you know what? I may not have out physical you. You probably could have run me over, but you know what? I got lower and I got position. And I know aerodynamics. So don't... Listen, I've, I've been a buck 60 my whole life. And people have been overlooking me. And now I'm... As an adult man, I'm 190. And I wish I was this in high school. Because I've been running people over. Hearing this speech of his and being reminded that he's Irish Shit, makes me think I'm of the... being mo- recorded. And he's going to have this forever. <laughs> oh, it's going to be forever. It reminds me of the movie The Replacements and their kicker. I'm wiry. Nigel Gruff. I'm wiry. Wiry. But here's the point. Holding is important. And I watched Reed Ferguson, the only man I know to have never cursed out loud in my presence, look the closest I've ever seen him come to dropping an F-bomb in Bohorquez's general direction multiple times on TV. If you were paying attention, you could catch it after a missed field goal or a missed PAT, where it very much seemed like a questionable hold might have botched the kick. Now, because he's a captain, he'll never come out and say it. But I'll tell you that just being an outsider watching it happen on TV, it's got to be a little frustrating for the organization, don't you think? Saying, hey, we've got this rookie kicker who can bang. He definitely bangs. If we could just find a guy to hold the fucking So my question is, is this guy going to man up? And he he has to wear nine. He's got to take – he has to take – Bojo's number, and we need Bass to switch to six. We talked about this on the show before. Six nine, six, six nine, nine, six nine. We is need it, that. Is that worth giving up? Because you look at Bojo, not that great of a holder, but a great punter. Like, here's the thing: are, how are many you, times were they really in there, deep in their own zone, that they needed the set? Listen, he had a couple of bombs. He, had some he bombs. also had a couple of real shanks. Well, look at yeah. this. I think Chris. Okay, so in his limited, he only had forty something punts on the season. Seven touchbacks. Matt Hack goes out there and has just two touchbacks while dropping 30 of his 68 inside the 20. Yeah. That's control. He may not have the boot, but if you're not pinned in your own end, being able to kick at the length of the field doesn't matter. That's right. That's like like being Kyle Bowler as a quarterback and saying, well, he can throw it through the uprights from his knees at the 20-yard line. But you know what he can't do is he can't hit a wide receiver in stride 30 yards downfield. But you're not going to have that much control with the punt in Buffalo in December. That's This is like the myth about strong arms. God, I hate you. So then the other th- place where this position group got a little, is going to get a little weird. I mean, right up until this morning, I didn't know who our kick returner or punt returner was going to be. Now, we've re-signed Isaiah McKenzie to the squad. A $1.13 million deal. Which boggles my mind, considering he had interest from another team, yeah. right? 
We watched Andre Roberts leave, two-time Pro Bowler. We watch him leave. And then Isaiah McKenzie goes, fills in for him, has an electric job as both a punt returner and a kick returner. Against backups. Against backups. Well, yeah. Against that's backups. What, that's what Miami would like to tell you. That's yeah. a, the, 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 their starters played like backups. I don't want to hear about it. So then you you look, he goes to another team and they're like, oh, well, the, the Bears are talking to him. What did the Bears say that made him come back for $1.13 million? Like, how, if you were another team that was legitimately interested in him, how did, how did you not land him if that's the contract he signed here? Do you even, you're squinting at me. <laughs> It's like you don't really have an answer, right? No. How did the Bears screw this up? That's a question that Bears fans <laughs> likely ask themselves every, but not, but about a lot of things. Dude, well, that's what I was going to say. I feel like a this... lot of things. <laughs> Listen, you know, the Bills traded out of the Mahomes spot, but they end up with Trey White, right? The Bears had the opportunity to draft Mahomes or Watson. <laughs> And they, tra- they and they traded trade up. Up, for they trade up for Trubisky, and they don't they One don't end spot. up they don't get the Trey White out of this. They end up with you know egg on their face, and the Bills with their quarterback as the backup. Wow, how the mighty have fallen! Well, were they ever mighty? Eighty five. <laughs> Last Fair. time I checked, eighty five. Let me tell you, I can tell you guys in this from experience. Uh, Jim McMahon, big fan of his. Uh, I had dinner with him. He loves to smoke pot. He smokes all Oh, that's all right. Of the yeah. <laughs> that guy was so stoned pro- when I met him. He probably yeah. just won a bunch of new fans. He is the stoned. I would so, I would have I would think he would considering the concussions. Well, no. How much he likes to wear sunglasses inside. Yes. Most people that wear sunglasses inside are strictly doing so to hide how stoned they are. So that makes sense. See, I do the same thing, except it's just so that when I'm drunk, no one really knows. So I hear you. I yeah, can yeah. feel that. It's, for, it's just a different way to, to shade your embarrassment. So here's the question. Is Isaiah McKenzie here to be our... Because as a wide receiver five, he has the utility, right? You can move him around the floor. He's our move guy. Yeah. He's the guy that we use to kind of pick and probe. Opposing defenses to see who's aligned where, yeah. who's who, what the what the assignments are, what the coverage is. Try to get some tells. But you look at it beyond that. In terms of special teams, is he the answer at returner, or do you think there's still more moves that we have to make? Not, not. You know. I think there are moves they still have to make, and you know, I I wonder if they're sort of waiting for someone else to start making moves. No one – listen, the Bills – there there has been – I think I saw there was like 15 teams that have driven 85% of the player movement in free agency. Yeah. No, that's fair. You know, and, There's and, a lot of teams doing what the Bills are doing, which is just laying in the weeds, waiting but for – not even signing their own. And that's – yeah. hanging out. No, no, that's my point. Like just hanging out. Waiting for because it's this game of musical chairs this year, and you're looking at all these veterans out there. I mean, the wide receiver market's a great example. Yeah. There's still talented players who are out there who weren't picked because they don't have a specific skill set or a specific trait that was warranted, you know, or coveted by a team. So now there's all these teams with money to burn that are just waiting, and it's almost like a Mexican standoff. Yeah. As far as Who's going to blink first? Because right now, all of them are negotiating with the same veteran players yep. saying, hey, I'm lowballing you, and this guy's lowballing you, and this guy's lowballing you. But we're all just, I mean, are we just going to keep doing this until yeah. the draft? Is that what this 
Well, that's another thing, too. The Bills are going to need to make moves to create enough space for their draft picks. That still has to come. So there's the and, – and even even though we don't exactly know all of the we, – well, we did learn more about the restructuring today, about Addison and about Medikavich. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do know a little bit about how much space it created. And got, by the way, it's not much. They, no. I thought they could have got more um, from Mario Addison. I think it'll end up getting about 500000 which is not really exactly the amount of money I think that you could have potentially pried out of him um, against the cap. But maybe that was more so just a listen. You know, here's the thing that a lot of people didn't take into account with Mario Edison. Mario Edison, he's well liked in the locker room, and he's best friend, best friends with Jerry Hughes. That likely meant something in, within within the structure, okay. structure of their locker room. By well, the way, so you think there's still moves to be made to kick returner, which is Cordell a, Patterson. Well, that's who I want. There's veterans. That's an, I, I like the idea of Cordell Patterson. I like the idea of him, and I also like the idea of the draft. If you were to have to there's do it. There's a kid it. from Houston. Oh, shit. What's his name? Um, but yeah, Correct. There's, there's, there's options. There's young guys in college football that have straight line speed that are small, that have been on teams that maybe you don't Who, know about. If you like, had to draft yeah. a fourth, fifth round pick and you needed them to, hey, maybe we can groom you into something, but we need you to contribute I here, thought it was important. They, they, I was, thought it was really important they got McKenzie back, though. Because, again, it goes into the thing I, I guess we're going to talk about later. But goes into the idea that they've basically, across the board, solidified just where they were. Yes. They just they maintained who they yep. were, and they are adding some supplement. The, the Sanders and the Hollister are actually... They're not bad. They're they're good pieces, although although minor. They're really important pieces. Um, there's other guys though. Like I, I like I. In my opinion, I I wonder what Carlos Dunlap, a guy like that's going to do. I wonder. Um, like we were just talking about, like a Malik Hooker. Like that's a oh, guy yeah. I would love to see. And Dean Marlowe. What are they? Are they're going to probably need. They're either going to bring back Dean Marlowe or they're going to find someone better than Dean Marlowe. I feel like Sean McDermott loves Dean Marlowe. I like Dean Marlowe. I feel like at some point does he wrestle? <laughs> I don't question. know if he said that's a great question. Maybe he wrestles with his emotions. Call, call in if you have the answer. Um, so, in that vein, defense. Okay, everyone got a sizable boost of confidence. I think watching Matt Milano come back, knowing yeah. that we kept the continent. I mean, I was talking about Nick Morrow on a one or two year deal as a possible filling, as a complete unknown, but kind of an athletic. And think about what you would have similarities had to do if, if you lose Milano and you have Nick Mar- uh, Morrow or. However, you yep. said that name. Um, if you have him, think about where you'd have to get notably better yes. to get yourself back to zero. You have to change your scheme in some yeah. cases. You yeah, have you to would, change you how would. you approach yeah, playing defense. Right. So I think, and I, I will say this: there was a lot of screaming from the Bills Twitter, from podcasts that I I listen to. Because I'll tell you what, I don't listen to. I download. All Bill's podcasts because I, I try to support the community. Yeah. I don't listen to all Bill's podcasts. There's not enough time in the day. And ultimately, I don't know that I care so much. I don't. I like the fact that you are voicing an opinion. I might not like yours, but I, I will respect the hell out of your ability to air it because I have mine. I mean, we get drunk and do this on Tuesdays and no one has shut us down yet. But so yes. with that in mind, there was a lot of screaming about how this defense had to get better. The pass rushers, you had to go out there and be strong in the pass rusher market. I want to ask you a question, Nate. How much of that? <laughs> how much of that is recency bias? Based on the fact that our last game, 
saw our defense get beat up yeah. almost as badly as the Kansas City Chiefs beat up the Houston Texans defense in 2019 after we lost to them some in the playoffs. Of it, it, some of it's warranted, though. Okay, fair. But when you look at the fact that we talked about it last week, defensive end pay was recession-proof. Defensive end and pass rusher pay this year skyrocketed. Not just not just in terms of the, the, the deals. Supply and demand, that's why. Okay, fair enough. But there was more pass rushers on the market this year than last year. The contracts were giant by comparison in terms of average annual value. If you go back to the previous year, the highest contract given out for a pass rusher in 20, uh, 2019's free agency still would have put that player at like eighth. You're going to start to see trends this between year? tackles, offensive tackles, and defensive ends in football and the and the similarities between the disparity from the last guy that gets paid and then the drop-off that you see. And what I okay. mean by that is, from a talent perspective, the in the NFL, there is a very – there's three tiers of NFL offensive linemen. Elite, average, and holy shit, you're terrible. There is literally no room for in between there on offensive linemen. And that goes for across the board. Like, if you're a team like the Bills who have – Then how is Jordan Bills ones, still employed? How does Jordan Mills do you want still to know why? Down? Do you want to know why? Because average is the biggest net you've ever seen. Like startable average player. There's elite. <sighs> okay, and, and, and I'll, like, I'll hear that. So what? And what I'm I guess the where I'm bringing this home to is the defensive end and pass rushing position. Is the league itself has a lot of really good level players, a couple of or elite level players, a couple of really good ones, and then a bunch of replacement level. And if you're the Bills, you're in a situation where they need – they had a bunch of replacement-level players. I, listen, Jerry Hughes, though, Jerry Hughes is a legitimate pass-rushing 4-3 defensive end in the league. He is their best pass rusher by far, their most consistent pass rusher. They were really disappointed. I was disappointed by Mario Addison this year. I mean, he just frankly – I think everyone was. Everyone was disappointed by the fact that he was this, disappointing. This guy who's averaged nine sacks a year Double for the digits. last three, yeah, has five. Just, and, and they were all early. He faded. Yeah, that's right. Hard. He did. And you know, listen, they needed to get better at, de- at, at defensive end. But here's the thing: this, this draft, you don't need to spend the thirtieth overall pick to probably get a starting caliber defensive end. You could spend a, a second round pick and get a guy because right now. The number two, number three pass rusher is going to be starting in the late 20s. Like, there isn't that guy this year. So, for the Bills, like, I'm sure they're looking at that situation like Judavian Clowney or Carlos Dunlop on a one year deal where we pay him five million, six million, well, or just a second that. round pick that we think is exact, it's going to give us more now and in the long run. I had a hard on for Carl Lawson. Right. Oh, I mean, shit, yeah, I did too. And then I saw that he's making $1 million less a year than J.J. Watt. Yeah. And I said, holy shit, I'm... <laughs> what well, are we talking about? That's the moment I knew that everyone had lost their damn deal, minds. The Bud Dupree deal proved to me that the disparity in that position has reached an all-time high. That a guy like Bud Dupree, coming off of an ACL injury... Gets paid eighteen and a half million dollars when he's not even with before 
the ACL injury, the best pass rusher in the in, in the free agent class. So yeah, you know the Titans. Listen, I could we could have a whole other conversation <laughs> with the Titans because holy Cause shit, nobody knows what the hell they what just are did. they doing? They've got and, and I saw someone. Well, the, the, they they filled a weakness. <laughs> Jeffrey Simmons. They just uh, the kid uh, Harold uh, yep. from uh, Boston Eli College, Harold. Eli Harold. Those are two good edge rushers. You could have gotten by with those two and spent, I don't know, that $18.5 million on another replacement tight end for Johnny Smith, another <laughs> replacement for your number two receiver you just lost in Corey Davis, your number three receiver you just lost in Adam Humphreys. Or this you is could try ha- to get an, something that help your new offensive coordinator. And this is, he and is going to be a new first-year head uh, offensive coordinator. And this is one of the things that I love about the fact that th- that was the fear when we hired a defensive-minded head coach. Yeah. Because that's what we saw. Stupid shit like Spending eighteen and a half million dollars on Bud Dupree, who's basically Eric Flowers. We were scared of right, that. That's, that's aggressive. We, when we hired Sean McDermott, fans were afraid that that's what we were getting ourselves involved in. And now here we are, years later, you're finding out that Sean McDermott is actually way more pragmatic in terms of trying to just be the CEO of a football yeah. team instead of hey, I'm the head coach and I think these are our needs. I, yeah, so what if our offense lost everything? Eh, we have a giant steam, uh, tr- uh, a locomotive for a running back. It doesn't matter. We'll use that and we'll figure out the rest. But let's make sure we can rush the passer. That's what happens when a, a defensive coach takes over and it really yeah. doesn't look good. Meanwhile, you've got the Bills who have kind of done more skewed to the offense. So even with as little movement as you saw from the Buffalo Bills, how confident are you in our ability? Levi Wallace. Okay? I started making my notes before I saw him resign. The fact that he's back on a below tender deal and told his agent specifically, I don't want to hear about other offers. Yeah. Just wait for the bills to call. Knowing that we're going to have Dane Jackson, Levi Wallace. Now, they haven't addressed the cornerback position. I understand there's things people would like they to see. They didn't get worse, though, right? They didn't That's, get worse. Yeah. How confident are you that with what we have right now, we could at least field an equally competent defense to what we saw last year. I might say maybe a little better, and the reason I might say that is injury. But frankly, imagine if the Bills had given up on Josh Norman earlier and had Dane Jackson playing those reps. I think they would have been better in those instances if Jay had Dane Jackson been playing those reps. But this, the Levi Wallace move, it's funny that you brought him up because I have a, um, a good buddy that I grew up with, did a lot of camps with. Um, he's a quarterback's coach in the NFL for the Arizona Cardinals. And um, the Levi Wallace move, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth with each other whenever the Bills make a move. He's a local guy, so he's a Bills fan, right? Um, and he messaged me not about, about um, the Milano move, not about any of the, He messaged me about the Levi Wallace move. I was like... Okay, and he was like the fact that Levi like we, Levi Wallace could be a starter on twenty other teams, like just a guy that's a good outside, yes, not uh, not an elite level, not even like really good, but a starter that you can plug and play in a zone scheme, and you you can just say you're going to go do your thing. He's not a liability on the field. Mm-hmm. And those again at the position in the NFL, it can be hard to find a guy that's just not a liability. You can trust him. You can send him out there and be a decent, somewhat decent quarterback too and he basically what he said to me is that raised eyebrows the fact that he went back there for a a veteran minimum when he could have easily gotten two or three or four million dollars a year oh 100 easily and we're not talking about 
you know, a, a, a million and a half dollar haircut. We're talking no, about no, 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 no. three or four a year. And he signs a one year below the RFA tender. Well, his his quote, he told his agent, I want to go back to Buffalo because we're winning a Super Bowl. I think that that speaks volumes to what the, the, the yeah. level of player trust that they've built here. In the culture. Well, the culture. And also... Brandon Bean, our GM is the guy who last year called TJ Eldon a three down back. He Some, did say that. Something we laugh about, which I think is probably as true as saying Chris Krueger can talk to women or Nate Geary was a quarterback, so he'd know in that they're both technically true. But just because someone can do something doesn't mean they do it well. Right. Like me on the radio doesn't mean I should just because I do it doesn't mean I do it well. <laughs> So is the lack of a veteran cornerback signing at this juncture, the fact that they didn't prioritize it, make it, you know, because, again, fans get loud on social media about these things. Well, they, the Bills, they didn't, they don't care. They're not trying to be good. The lack of a veteran cornerback signing, do you think that that's maybe a f- sign that Bean's lip service isn't just that, kind of like he did for TJ Yeldon? I think, I think he likes Dane Jackson. So that's, you, I, I, that's what I think. You think they're going to give him an opportunity to yeah. show that he could have And that I shot. also think he that cornerback could totally be in play at 30. That's fair. And Eric Stokes, that's a, that's a guy that I think people should start to really come around on. He just ran a 4-2-7 in his pro day. Um, Asante Samuel Jr., we know that Bean was at Florida State's pro day. He's likely checking him out. For any, for any of you who actually, during the quarantine, when we were in the fever, probably about a year ago this time, when quarantine was in fever pitch and everyone was stuck in their homes, I was helping the train wreck sports guys commentate uh, Quarantine Football League, mm. which was Madden simulated Bills games. And I was doing the color commentary and play-by-play. That team that went to the Super Bowl had Asante Samuel Jr., as one of their starting cornerbacks opposite Trey White. You know what that means. <laughs> if it happened in Madden, it must be it's real. It's got to be real. Ultimately, I know there's a lot of listeners that would disagree with me on this, but I think our defense is going to be okay. It'll be fine. There's a lot of there's a lot of room for them to improve, time for them to go f- scout the market. If Oliver is better. That's it. It's growth. If A.J. Epinesa is better, if Tremaine Edmonds is better because he's not hurt, and if Matt Milano's better because he's not hurt, this defense will be worlds. They'll better. be fine. They'll I mean, be I, fine. I, I don't. Starlo Tula lays back. I'll admit, I don't. I don't all the time go listen to Locked On Bills, but I listened to Joe Marino's recent podcast on that very topic. Guys, go check it out because he lays out all of the reasonings why that's where the biggest steps. Nothing yeah. that this team brings in from outside the building on defense is going to make as much of a difference. As the guys who are already here developing and continuing on their road to develop. Cody Ford's another one. Holy cow, what what a a big thing if Cody Ford develops would be. Well, let's talk about the offense. So Cody Ford developing. I know people when Mongo was on the block. He's been through puberty. And nobody knew what what was going to happen on that front. People were very vocal about the fact that they wanted us to chase down a Kevin Zeitler type. Mm. A go get me a uh, what's his name? Uh, Gabe, Mississippi State, Gabe Jackson. Sure, Gabe Jackson from the Raiders. There was people dumb enough to put out 
Because Deion Dawkins said Richie? Richie Incognito. Hell yeah. Okay, you know, the guy Two who claps. tried to cut off his deceased father's head. Hey, that's head. in the past. It's in the past! You tried to cut a dead man's head off at a hey, funeral home the and then threatened the funeral home staff. I'm sorry, maybe I don't want you anywhere near my football team. Just a, I don't even want you in my city. You get the hell out of here. You're a menace. I mean, I'm a menace, but so are you, and you're bigger than me. Which, and you have more disposable income, which actually makes him more of a problem than Drew Gear, right? That's probably right. That's no, that's actually definitely right. I mean, he's the guy famous for smashing up his own Ferrari outside of his home. His neighbors got scared and called the cops. And from behind his gated property, the cops were like, sir, what are you doing? He goes, what the fuck does it look like I'm doing? And they were like, you need to stop. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to. It's mine. And they, they, he was right. Like, what, right. That's the person we're talking about. So Cody Ford developing is going to be the other piece to this. Maybe alongside a, de- a rookie. a develop- I mean, this draft class is rife with them. Something that I, I know you've been vocal about. I mean, there's a guy, Humphrey, Creed something. Creed? Creed Humphrey? Is that it? Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma, interior offensive lineman. Yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like you've been quite vocal on the fact that you enjoy... I like a little Creed. Yeah, yeah. No, there there are there are starters available in the second round. There are future starters. I think future lock starters available in the third round. And maybe that's where you address the interior offensive line. Aaron Banks, Notre Dame, a guy that I really like, six five, big, mobile kind of guy uh, that I think you could totally bring in and and kind of give him some position flexibility, let him sit a year. I, I think Notre Dame's got. Listen, there are four offensive linemen in this draft from Notre Dame on their, on, on their offensive line from last year. All of them are going to get drafted. I think three of the four are lock starters, and the other guy could potentially be a starter. So um, there are guys that the Bills could 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 look at. The problem is, too, I think there's some interior defensive linemen in the third round that they could target as well that, that could be starters. So interior defensive line, offensive line we know is a position that they need to do long term. But for me, it's got to be some whether it's the second or third round, I think you've got to try to get a guy on the interior offensive line so you give yourself an opportunity to hedge your bet with – with Mongo. Oh, and, and that's, and that's nothing against Mongo. Just listen, at the end of the day, you te- in free agency or even in this, you, you pay for stats earned, mm-hmm. not stats, not future stats. Unfortunately, that's just the way that it is because you don't know. No, if 100%. A guy takes a step back or, you know, but, Milano's going to be what he's 26. But seeing, today, but seeing today that his cap hit was $3.4 million for yeah, this year. Yeah, gave me a, a Woody. Uh, um, Kevin Zeitler and his. Ten million guaranteed this year. No thanks. It looks a lot better. It does for the bill. <laughs> really and does. listen, he's not Kevin Zeidler, but he's not seven million dollars no, less than he's Kevin Zeidler. Seven million dollars less than no. Kevin Zeidler. All right, here's the fun one for offense, or at least the first fun one, and the one Hollister? that I really don't have an ability to, to even talk about with our listeners because I'm just a fucking rube when it comes to quarterbacks. Oh, Mitchie Trubisk. Mitch Trubisk. You're not going to hold a press conference for Jake Hollister or Emmanuel Sanders. You hold a press conference to announce the fact that you're signing a former number two. It wasn't for Trubisky. I know it's not for Trubisky, but you don't don't make that move and then open with that. It worked out that way. Yeah, it just worked out that way. For 2.5 million. Because they knew how fucking good they were going to look by doing it. Okay, Spotrack. We talked about it this year. 
Spotrac was in a weird spot because they have yeah. traditionally been pretty good about pegging average annual values. It's a, diff, it's a different it's a different year. Except with this year, their salaries were too conservative. Yeah. Right? Their salary estimates, they said Carl Lawson was going to get eight. He got 15. They said J.J. Watt would get about 12. He got 16. Because they didn't understand the greed at certain positions. Meanwhile, they overvalued some cornerbacks. There was the yeah. wide receiver market they overvalued. They had Mitch Trubisky pegged at around nine and a half, ten. Yep. Well, as a starter. As a starter. The fact that he is now our backup quarterback, I don't even know what to do. I'm going to, as I rifle questions at you, I'm going to sip on this. It's Hamburg Brewing Company. Something Chris's girlfriend bought, and I think Chris said was terrible. It's a skull. I don't know. I've not had it. Sneaky Tiki. It's a sour ale with pineapple, coconut, mango, lime, and citra. Nate, doesn't that just sound like a bad time? No, it sounds lovely. 7% alcohol. Sounds lovely. Especially the mango. It says it's here to provide a mental vacation. This can is Literally what you need. (laughs) With fruit, and the only thing missing for your escape is your favorite tiki glass. So it sounds to me a lot like a beer with a little Seagram's in it. It, it's it's Hamburg Brewing Company's version, version of a Seagram. Of a Seagram's. <laughs> you almost puked. That checks out. Oh my Come on, god, that wasn't real. Not not a fan of Sneaky Tiki. Sneaky Tiki makes my makes my cheeks pucker involuntarily. Let me see it. My girlfriend bought it, so I should I should at least try some. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole. Right, let me try. That's yeah. a whole lot of bad. Let me yeah, try. there's just a whole lot of bad going on over here. Ooh, all over the chin. It's light. It has no body. There's nothing to it here, and it's just sour. With like, not you. you my t- girlfriend would drink that. You, of well, course you well, would. Yeah. That's my point. That's why. Why do you think my girlfriend bought it? But now that I already have a bad taste in my mouth, Trubisky. Trubisky, as you, as you heard in the show open, Marcus Spears of ESPN figured. That him and his agent saw the growth that Allen has had from the draft to year three. Yeah. And that's what they're gambling on with the Bills, is that Dable and his offensive staff could do work with Trubisky. I think it's a good point. I also think think he thinks it's a good little bet. It's a good little hedge because what he's saying is, hey, I'll take a little less. Well, actually, a lot, a lot less. less. A, a lot less. Yes. As, as our uh, I mean, you airport closet jewelers. Or no, uh, what is it? Extreme mattress. Extreme, extreme discount mattress. Which, that guy's intimidating. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I know him. Do you? That's why I feel bad. I just called him the uh, airport closet jeweler. <laughs> so, you, you know what's hilarious? You would know that guy. Of course I would. Here's the thing. You're talking about that... Earlier, you're like, oh, guys, taking a little bit less money, a few million. This is a guy taking... We don't know, though. A quantifiable amount of millions. We assume, what, what we say is, they paid Andy Dalton $10 million. That's it? That's the, ridiculous. The, the, that the you matters. wouldn't at least pay Mitchell Trubisky $2.5 million. And say, just come back, like, we would would rather have you be our starter. Here's the thing about Trubisky. I think I think Chris is right, I think, and I think Spears is right, in saying that he is banking on the development, coming here for a year, making $2.5 million, Learning with Josh, a guy that is not going to be a selfish, 
I also I wouldn't rule out seeing him start to work out with Jordan Palmer. I think that's also um, something that that and, and you maybe without a contract that happens anyways. But maybe it's because he's starting to work with Josh Allen. They become friends, and Josh introduces you know. So there are opportunities for him to develop, and I think that's part of it. But and the then other they start a garage is, band together, and then they get matching outfits, and next thing you know, they're touring the country in the off season. And they're cutting watermelons with Randy Jackson signed samurai swords. <laughs> I agree. Um, but what I'll say is, then this is the thing maybe that that was overlooked in all of this is maybe not maybe it wasn't overlooked but I, I think Mitchell Trubisky saw an opportunity to develop sure but I also think he saw an opportunity to lay a foundation with a guy that's going to be a head coach in a year um, and come in and, and make a good impression and say you know I can be a guy that you bring wherever else you go and maybe I'm not a long-term guy but maybe I could be your bridge starter maybe I can walk into a situation with you and you need an upgraded quarterback maybe he goes to I don't know. Where's this shitty franchise? You, uh, uh, oh, Cincinnati, um, Chicago. <laughs> he goes back. Wouldn't yes! that be the ultimate thing? Mitch Trubisky yes. leaves for Buffalo. They, they clean house in Chicago next offseason. Brian Dable gets yes. hired, and Mitch Trubisky rides back yes. into town to be their starting into quarterback. The sunset. This oh no, this would be riding the prodigal son returns. He rides into town. And says, "Hey guys, I'm back. I'm even. I'm even going to change my number. That's that would be. That's a little I care about. That would be. That would be. That would be a romance. It would be something. Ultimately, here's what I think, Chris. I've talked about it multiple times. The three tiers of starting NFL backup quarterback. Um, You have the replacement level player." Yeah, you've got the veteran mentor. Yep, which Matt Barkley did with aplomb, I'll say, over the last yeah. few years, and then you've got the rookie who's being groomed to either start someday or to illustrate that he has trade value. Jimmy Garoppolo style. Okay, sure. I think those are the three tiers, and I'm still laughing because I don't think Cam Newton fits any of them. But what about Mike Lennon? Where does he fit in there? <laughs> the fact that he's still rolling around the NFL is one of the biggest jokes. He's he's football Napoleon Dynamite. He's the worst. Yeah, he's not good. So when you look at it in that in that aspect, the way the Bills kind of leaned on that tells you where our team is at and where our quarterback is at in his development. Yep. Matt Barkley was his training wheels. And yet, the one thing that kept coming back to me in the aftermath of the Trubisky signing, I go back to the game against New England when he gets knocked out of the game with the J.C. Jackson headshot. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know why they didn't? is because you're down near the goal line. You're down near the goal line. You have Matt Barkley as your quarterback, and you've got a really opportunistic uh, New England secondary. Is it because my arm is better than Barkley's? I think it might be. They they yeah. would not allow him from yeah. the goal line to throw the ball. They were scared. They were afraid to turn this offense over to Matt Barkley and hurts, allow him and to it's better than Barkley. Allow him to throw when it mattered. That moment right there underscores that he's not a replacement level player. He's a guy who literally just exists here to help your quarterback work through the nuances of being a professional. The second he actually has to put skin in the game. They get ultra conservative because they don't trust him. This move signifies that, A, they don't think Josh Allen needs training wheels anymore. And B, they believe this roster is good enough that if something were to happen to Josh Allen, you can't afford to punt a game away. Yeah, you can't afford to punt a month away. That's my point. Yeah. 
you you need to know that you've got a guy who can go six and two or well, what do you go six and three as a starter for the Bears yeah. last year? You need to know that he can at least go five hundred for you if there's a prolonged absence because your team is good enough to really compete for something. The move itself, though, just shook everyone to its core, just in terms of how unexpected. Who did did it shake? Everybody. Who expected that to be the news that led the press conference? I was like, hey, I thought it was going to be the Zach Ertz trade. So the fact that that didn't happen, and we ended up with the the, the Bills' tight end pursuit ends with Jake Hollister. Yeah. Should we... can we, get, can we get it out of the way first? Oh, let's do it right now, Chris. We've got to get it out of the way. Hit the fridge. Well, yeah, I'll get it. Hit the fridge, scrub. Last week was was quite hectic doing the podcast with all of the legal tampering. You made a Zach Ertz tra- yeah. uh, trade bet, didn't you? Well, no. The legal tampering period, we had just finished with uh, recording with Mike Tabate on the AFC East show that we did. We started the show, that segment with... Uh, Debate that we traded Lee Smith, and then by the end of it, I got a I saw a fake Tom Pelissero account <laughs> that we had traded oh, for Zach Ertz. Yeah. So somebody tweeted at us when that that it happened, like, "Oh, you should drink a six pack of Seagrams." I'm not going to drink a six pack, but I will drink a Seagrams, and I will let our guest of honor here, Nate Geary, pick. There's a, a bunch in there, so Nate, well, you pick the Seagrams. That I drink. So while Nate's selecting his punishment beverage, the big headline last week was us being in the final runnings for the services of Eagles tight end Zach Ertz, which is an illustration that the Bills clearly know that <laughs> tight end is a place we got to get better. Oh, uh, the classic lime margarita. God, yeah. that's so bad. It's the worst one. God, you really don't like Chris tonight. Did you did you pick this because it's you know it's green? It's a Zach Ertz fake fake trade. Green. Eagles are green. I think it's because he's Irish. That, that too. That's not why. I knew lime was just bad. Oh, lime is terrible. Yeah. Like the lime margarita ones are clear. I said the uh, the Calypso cooler things, it's like someone uh, rubbed a coconut on a shovel and hit you in the face with it. It's not great. I suppose, well, I mean, if you chug it, he sips it because he's dainty. And he enjoys it. That's why. But, but so the Bills went after Zach Ertz, but their GM is an idiot. Yeah, higher residents of. Like, think about it. You have two teams that are vying for the services of one player, and you somehow overplay your hand so badly that one of them goes out and signs Methuselah in Jared Cook, <laughs> and the other team says, fuck you, I'll take Jake Hollister. I'll see you in hell. And now you're Jake stuck. Jake Hollister at the minimum, by and the now way. Now you're stuck here holding holding the bag on, holding an eight, on an $8 million tight end that you barely used last year. And you're going, well, wait a minute, guys. But, all right, I, I'm willing to renegotiate. And all you're hearing is crickets. It's like, no, no. Oh, we don't have anybody left. Oh, the Colts are here, and the Colts are offering a seventh? Great. <laughs> Sorry, Howie. Yeah, guess what? You missed the boat. Yeah. Well, uh, that and, and, and you look at the Jets signing Tyler Croft at $2.3 million a year. <laughs> and the Bills get Jacob Hollister at a million less. At a million less. Uh, and I would make the – I think the Bills upgraded. Well, I like Tyler Croft, but Hollister's a nice little player. And that's what I wanted to underscore here for our listeners. Jake Hollister is not direct competition for Dawson Knox. He's not. Yeah, that's probably right. He, he just isn't. I mean, when you look at their salaries, when you look at his statistics, I mean, here's what I see. 
In 16 games in 2020, he had uh, three touchdowns and less than 250 yards on 40 targets, which is comparable. The 40 targets is comparable to what Knox had yep. in 2020. Both of them playing in a high volume passing offense that doesn't really prioritize the tight end. They had surprisingly similar production. I think Knox is a better athlete. Yeah. Their average, his average depth of target was 5.8 yards for each of the last two seasons in Seattle. Each of them? Yeah. So if you're playing in a pass-heavy offense, the fact that you're only catching the ball downfield or being thrown at six yards from the line of scrimmage, you're not a dynamic threat. I think he, if you look at what his college, in college, though, what his numbers were, notably, notably more. I think it was 8.8 in college. I think it was a full three yards more. Um, and so I, I look at it from this perspective. He is going to come in here with an innate understanding of the quarterback. Um, they're already going to have a dynamic that even some of the guys that have been here for a few years aren't going to have with Josh. Fair. So I think there's part of me that looks at, I remember watching the Seahawks over the last two, three seasons thinking, this kid ends up just being better than whoever else they're throwing out there. Like, I just kept thinking to myself, this Hollister kid can it just continues making plays. He actually had a nice little game against the Bills in their matchup last year. He did. But when you look at, okay, okay, I, I understand that. And I know he's got upside, which is why I like the signing. I love the price. Why are you, you going to, well, come on. But he bus? spends most of his time blocking and playing special teams. Yeah. He played more than 60% of Seattle's special team snacks over the last two years. Sounds good to me. Okay. Is Zach Ertz sure. giving me his special team snaps? No. Not a one. He played 374 offensive snaps and only ran 185 routes, which is less than 50%, which tells you that the majority of the time he spends on the field, he's a blocker. And you know what, though? That was the – I think that I want to see more of Dawson Knox moving around, lining up next to Josh Allen, motioning out of the backfield, lining up next to Josh Allen and being a pass blocker, lining up next to Josh Allen and running routes, lining up as a wide receiver. Like, those are things Dawson Knox can do if you have an inline blocking tight end that you can trust on the other side. And they liked Lee Smith, but he offered no real threat in the pass game. Yeah. This guy may not be as good as a blocker as Lee Smith. He's not as bad. He's not. He's pretty close. He's a very good blocker. And now what he's going to have the opportunity to do is, I think, be a far more dynamic pass-catching option for the Bills while not maybe losing a step with the uh, Lee Smith on the Lee Smith wagon. I understand that, and I, I'll tell you because I, I made the analogy that uh, Brandon Bean is like a used car salesman when it came to trading Lee Smith. Did he, you think of the he goods? Just, he just pats the top of him and Goes, oh yeah! Kevin. Oh yeah! He, he pats right, the top of he pats the top of he pats a photo of Lee Smith in front of the GM of the Atlanta Falcons and goes, <laughs> "You can fit six whole receptions in this bad boy." Let me. He might even make one of them a touchdown. What's it going to take for me to put you in this machine? Right exactly. Here? He only had three games. Now you are, you're playing with Russell Wilson, who is a very good quarterback. Very good quarterback. He only has three games with double-digit yards after the catch in a single week hmm. in his career. In his career as a I tight end. I would say I would – I guess my question for Jacob Hollister is as simple as this. This is my only question. Is he wearing a face mask that has the bar down the middle? <laughs> because if he's not, he's a welcomed addition. <laughs> and listen, I, I just need to – like if you have ever played football, when I played Pee Wee football, the first face mask I ever wore was the Thurman – the two bar, 
with the bottom and the line right down the middle. Just the ugly-ass Thurman face mask. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know. That is basically what Lee Smith has been wearing for the last two years, is that ugly-ass Revo, Revo Speed yep. Thurman Thomas-looking face mask looking like a total sieve. <laughs> as long as Jacob Pollister isn't wearing that, the Bills are in a wildly better place. Here's what I love. When we have a, uh, a guest who comes onto our show and spits millennial jargon that I don't understand, but I'm going to laugh at it anyway. What do you mean? <laughs> what don't you understand? So the next – here's the thing, though. We didn't have to swing for the fences at tight end. We really didn't, even though everyone wants to see it. Again, this is like defensive end. Everyone's screaming that we have no choice but to get better here. Well, I think that that's kind of made – it's lessened by the last name on our offensive addition list here. And wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders. Now, I was surprised. Manny Sanders? This came out of nowhere in the middle of our last podcast. Athletically, I don't know that he has the top end speed John Brown has. No, no, he doesn't. But it seems like there's a lot to like about his game. He's a better deep threat, but not the speed threat, if that makes sense. Well, here's the thing. Throw cost out the window. Is he my better question, at separation? He's a great and, separator. And this is my point. Cost out the window. John Brown's $3 million contract with the dollar contract with the Raiders. His $6 million contract with the Bills. Is swapping out a 31-year-old John Brown with two years in this offense for a 34-year-old Emmanuel Sanders really a win for this Bills team? I say yes, because I think... Emmanuel Sanders is going to run the routes John Brown was running last year better. Okay. Meaning those deep in routes that they ran a lot with John Brown. He is better at creating separation on those routes than John Brown is. Is he the same? Is he going to beat guys with his foot speed deep? Maybe maybe not. Maybe not at this point in his career. He was a good he was their best deep threat last year in New Orleans. So I don't. I don't want to say he's an upgrade from John Brown. I think he's. I think he's the right addition, with the context of knowing that the John Brown deep role is now being taken over by Gabriel Davis. So how do we add a fourth receiver that complements us propping up Gabe Davis into that role? Because now we want Gabe Davis to be that wide receiver too, that deep threat down the field. Let's not go get a guy that's going to take away those reps. Let's go get a guy that can supplement those reps that we were actually asking John Brown to do last year that, frankly, he left a lot to be desired on those over-the-middle routes. A lot of those, you know, just kind of flailing his arms over the middle of the field. He's not a big body, and not that Emmanuel Sanders is. He is just going to be able to, when a team... Like the Kansas City Chiefs wants to be physical at the line of scrimmage, and you need a wide receiver to get open quickly. That's the kind of guy Emmanuel Sanders is. Is he the move that counters part of what Kansas City did to stop the Bills? I think the answer to that question is yes. And it's less about replacing John Brown, the player, and more about replacing the role that he didn't play particularly well, knowing that the role he did do well is already being replaced by Gabe Davis. I like that. I like that because I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm thinking. It's the guy that, in the Mizuno hat who always thinks of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think anybody's ever said that phrase no. before in their entire life. No, except for me. I'm looking at a chart, wide receiver efficiency versus zone coverage, made by you guys over at Cover One. And the Bills now employ, if you looked at last year's statistics, efficiency against zone. Diggs, Sanders, and Beasley are all top five. Yeah. 
in the NFL among wide receivers for efficiency against zone. How important is that when you think about how you can now as a dick? Because we talk about building. Everything you're doing in free agency should be helping your team not just tread water, but grow. AJ Crane. (laughs) Oh, Jesus H. Christ. Yeah, no, AJ Green, he's. I mean, he was. Arizona Cardinals paid him like eight million dollars, too. Folks, it's a chart that's an XY axis positive play percentage. It's e- like it looks like if they were if they were taking a, a a screen clip from the NHL and they were showing where the Sabres would be. This is where AJ Green would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Cole Beasley's number one. It's hysterical. But so. It's interesting seeing that what you've done is you've given yourself the ability now to dictate certain play styles to your defense. You say, hey, guess what? You love zone coverage? Yeah. Guess what you can't do? Good luck. Try try to play some press man. You know who loves beating that up? Stephon Diggs. Yeah. And Stephon Diggs the other thing is, too, we know that they torch teams in man coverage. It was when they went to that two-deep safety look that it really stifled them. They They – at times, they became uncomfortable about where to go with the football. And sometimes, if they take away Cole Beasley in that zone and they bracket up uh, Stephon Diggs, he didn't feel like he had that safety outlet. I think, if anything else, if Emmanuel Sanders takes 15 less catches and 107, 200 less yards, but can be the guy that is his safety net underneath and can make you know 45 to 50 catches this season and just be a guy that on third down is a menace, a guy that on first down in those zoned looks that you're getting against defenses. The other thing, too, that I talked about and in, in the idea of drafting a running back is, I know, part of the conversation about what, what people are want to be upset about this offseason. I want this team, they got so many good run looks on first down that they refused to run, they, they passed the ball. The one thing next year that I think Emmanuel Sanders can help them with is if they want to be a team that maybe trumps some of their a lot like a lot of the things they put on film last year their their tendencies run more on first down and give Emmanuel Sanders opportunities over the middle of the field on second down so just I don't know I, I think that he just gives them a little bit more if you combined. John Brown, if you combined Gabriel Davis and Emmanuel Sanders, you have a notably better receiver than John Brown, and not you don't have room for all of those guys in your team. No, no, that's fair. And I guess that dynamic right there, you're talking about all these good players on your team who can do things for you. That's why tight end wasn't as important. I agree. Now, I showed you the chart, Chris. It's bad. It's AJ bad. Green. It's bad for AJ Green. No, no, the tight end stat chart. Which, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a sickness. Chris, I make charts. What I've charted I here for, charts. for Chris tonight, I've graphed out tight end one snaps versus wide receiver three and wide receiver four over Dable's career here in Buffalo. And what you find, now you figure the last two years it's been Dawson Knox. It's been uh, Charles Clay and Jason Kroon yeah. before that. But it was, Char- it was Charles Clay. Nate. You're looking at this. All those red squares no. indicate where tight ends lost. <laughs> and there's a lot of red on this chart. Quite a bit of red. Especially last year. Okay? When it came to, to by snaps, by snap percentage, by targets versus tight end one to wide receiver three and wide receiver four, I mean, here were my observations when I finally broke all the data out. Since he got here in 2018, Dable, tight ends have finished 
behind all four starting wide receivers in average depth of target outside of last year versus our wide receiver three. Or, or no, and uh, to when wide receiver three was Isaiah McKenzie a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Remember how bad that depth chart was? Yep. I do, yes. Okay. <laughs> and he's decoy at the line of scrimmage. Hey, we're going to send you on a jet sweep. or uh, That was his job until last year. Last year, he finally started seeing, P- seeing some passes downfield. John Brown's missed games are the only reason Knox outsnapped him this year. The margin was literally a 14-snap difference. That's bad. It's not good. 2020's offense... Okay, that's Brian Dable's system. It's the best version of it you're ever going to see. It's what he's been building this roster towards and what they've a team has been building towards. The Bills ran 10 personnel with four wide receivers just four times in 2019 because you're not putting Duke Williams on the field, right? Not over Dawson Knox. No. no. Okay. No, likely not. Too, too infrequently for them to even register a percentage, but it jumped to 16% of all snaps in 2020. This according to uh, Warren Sharp's website there. I love that thing. Warren Sharp's good. So it, in doing that, they just it, they were the most efficient version of their offense. When they go wide receiver heavy and prioritize them in terms of targets, how far downfield they throw to them, mm-hmm. how they space them, that's what our offense runs. It would be one thing if your tight end was getting tons of targets and he was on the field a whole bunch and he was underperforming. He's Dawson Knox, I would say, is performing to the standard in which he is being asked to do in the offense. And I think and I think if you were to tell me if you wanted a role for Zach Ertz, who's going to play that limited role better and provide the best amount of value? How much better is Zach Ertz in the role that they're going to ask Jacob Hollister to play? How much better is Ertz going to be? You might even come out with the argument that nothing on film would indicate it would be even better. Maybe it would be the same, except one guy's making the veteran minimum. The other guy you would have had to give up an asset for and restructure the contract and push his year out at least for a year or two, meaning you're tying yourself to him for the next two years. Instead, you get a one-year deal on a basically a a, a veteran minimum. It may not even make the 51 top contracts on the team with a guy who knows Josh Allen that Josh Allen, I absolutely signed off for. And you, that those are, these are the types of moves you make a franchise makes when they're making a case to their quarterback that they're ready to pay him. Yep. We're, Oh, Hey, Hey, by the way, during our press conference, we're bringing Josh Allen into the decision-making process. We, you know, he, we ask him, we text him. Yeah, no shit you ask and you text him because this is the time now to prove to him that not only do we believe in you that you're the guy on, on field that's going to win us a Super Bowl, we want to we want to reward that with money. But not only that, we want to have a proven track record of including you on personnel decisions, including your take on moves we're out there making. I think that's something that the Bills are maybe looking ahead of and using moves like this to say, hey, Josh, Remember the time we went home and got your college teammate, and we were maybe could have stuck around in that Zach Ertz situation, but we wanted a guy that you we knew you were comfortable with. We make moves with you in mind. And I think these are subtle steps the Bills are taking that are preparing for that contract, which is inevitably coming. So, final statement on what we've done as a team in terms of individual moves. Success or no? Of what? Of Jacob Hollister? Or just in general? Just in general, the Bills 2021 free agency class so far. At this point, would you say it's been a success? Yes. Fantastic. Chris, I I agree. 
I think if the Bills did what they had to do to maintain a Ask certain level you, of production. If you had, if you put a numerical value to it, they are plus. Now, I don't care if it's plus point zero one. It's plus. You didn't decline. You did not decline. And if you didn't decline and you saw everyone else around you, see, you would you should feel very bad about the Patriots and what the Jets did if you got worse. And that's exactly where we're going to pivot to. Appreciate Nate Geary stopping by in studio. He's on Twitter at NateGearySports. But we're not done, folks. This is it always is. Chris, this happens whenever we get together with Nate. Our, our interviews just run long. Yeah. Nate and I could talk about this stuff forever. Yeah. And I feel like there's so much meat on the bone here. We Rather than cut it short, we'd rather just break it up and give you guys a pair of shows. So... Tune in tomorrow, or if you're listening to this on Wednesday, it'll be out on Wednesday. We're going to take what we learned and what we've kind of learned from the Buffalo Bills and their success that they've had this year in the free agency process. And we're going to kind of extrapolate that out as we look at winners and losers in free agency around the NFL. Look at Buffalo's competition and how we think they stack up as of today. And we'll look how this draft, this draft might be shaped by some of the decisions that we've already seen made here today. Again, another great conversation on tap for you. Make sure you tune in to check it out. But for tonight, we got to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been the Rockpile Report. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.